begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, the feast that our Jewish brothers and sisters are celebrating tomorrow was not actually called Rosh Hashanah until Ezekiel, which was much later in their history. Up until Ezekiel, it was called the Feast of Trumpets. And like we talked about in the children's sermon, you would hear that trumpet blast a hundred times. Now, we used to have a principal over at Woodbury who greeted the students at the door on the first day of school with, Happy New Year! Because it is the beginning of a school new year. Now, God's new year is a little bit different than ours, but let's talk about new year. You got to get new clothes. Now, you may not be able to see, but I got me some new brown shoes to go with my blue suit. Uh, Vicki signed me up for this king thing called Stitch Fix. You put in your sizes and they send you a box of clothes. And in the box of clothes were new shoes, right? Or you get a new lunchbox. I got a new Avengers lunchbox for school this year. You might get a new binder for those of a certain age. Remember the Trapper Keeper when they came out? It was, it was three things. It was this big. It didn't even fit on your desk. But everybody had to have a new Trapper Keeper. You might get a new book bag or new pencils, new pens, new crayons. But what you really need, according to God, is a new attitude. New Year's gives us the opportunity to be hopeful and optimistic or joyful. Not just for students and teachers, but God says for my people. Now, I want you to think of Rosh Hashanah not like we do today. Because our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate Rosh Hashanah. And then ten days later they celebrate... Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And in, if you were listening to the scripture this morning from Leviticus, it is not two separate holidays. The bookend begins with the new year, and then you have ten days to get your spiritual affairs in order, and then we have the Day of Atonement. In fact, the Orthodox Jews today still will, on the first day of this holiday, tomorrow, will find their way to running water, and they will say this prayer from Micah. Micah chapter, let me get this text for you. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. So imagine, right after the congregation has the hundred blasts of the horn, the men, the Orthodox Jewish men, will find running water and say this prayer. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast out all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. 
The new year for the Jewish believer was the beginning of a searching self-inventory. In essence, they were asking, how did I do in the last year and what do I need to change for the next? Jewish tradition is that on the Day of Atonement, which, by the way, is a six to eight hour church service, Yom Kippur is six to eight hours with singing and prayers, that that was the time that God opened the book of life and he measured the good you did against the evil you did and decided on that day whether or not your name stayed in the book of life. Now, we don't believe that anymore, but I want you to hear the power of this day in Jewish tradition. It's the day that God decided whether you were in or you were out. It's very similar to uh, the Greek god Janus. Now you might say, well, Doc, why, why would you bring that up? Well, guess what month is named after the Greek god Janus? That would be January. And if you've ever seen the picture of the Greek god Janus, he has two faces, one on the front and one on the back. The idea being that he was the god of beginnings, Gates, transitions, passages, doorways, and endings. He saw where he was going, but he also saw from whence he had come. That's what God is calling the Jewish people to do on the new year. Where have you been, and where do you want to go? So, you may wonder, and I wondered about this, so I had to look it up. If you talk to your Jewish friends, there are several New Year's celebrations throughout the year. Now, we only have one, right? New Year's Eve is December 31st, and then we have January 1st. You got the Mummers Parade. You got lots of good food, football on TV. But if you listen to the Jewish calendar, there's several times. So... The, the dividing factor here is that Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the civil new year, and Passover is the beginning of the religious new year. So for those of us in the church, it makes complete sense. Uh, when is the beginning of the church year for us? Does anybody know? Advent. Advent. So right around the end of Thanksgiving, we have Christ the King Sunday, we celebrate the Christ that is going to come back, and the very next week, we're back to preparing for the infant Jesus coming. Here's the same idea. So we have a, a civil New Year's on January 1st, and we have a religious New Year on the first Sunday in Advent. Now, I'm going to sound like an old man, and I don't feel like an old man, and I don't think I look like an old man, although age has snowed white hair on me. Do you remember when the world used to stop? Just nod. Right? Good Friday, we got out of school at 12 o'clock, and the whole world stopped. The stores closed, the banks closed, you couldn't buy batteries or milk or bread. There was no special Easter sale at Walmart or Kmart or JCPenney's. The entire world stopped. Stopped. And
And around here, it stopped from Good Friday until Easter Monday. I'm sorry to say it also stopped from Christmas Eve until the 26th. And if Christmas was on the weekend and your parents didn't buy you batteries for your new toy, you couldn't run out to the Wawa or the 7-Eleven or whatever and get batteries. All you could do is look at that box with sadness in your eyes until you could get out on the 26th and buy some batteries. Now, why is that important? Because God says, be still and know that I am God. Now, it's interesting to me that the Feast of Trumpets had a hundred trumpet blasts, but it was a full Sabbath whenever it happened. Well, what does that mean? You weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to cook. You weren't allowed to do all of these things that the rabbis had decided constituted anything that would take your focus away from this day belonging to God. So, there were no white sails. I, I don't know why it's important that you buy sheets at Labor Day. But, you know, JCPenney and all those other stores are having their Labor Day whites sale. No sales. Some of the stores are getting us ready for our last weekend of summer. And we're going to have barbecues, hot dogs, chicken, anything you can put on the grill. None of that was taking place. This was a time when God said, I need you to stop. I need you to evaluate your heart. And I need you to listen. And I need you to do this. And I want you to hear this for 10 days. Now, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that the scariest part of his ministry before he left the priesthood was communion. Because, and if, if you've ever been Catholic or you know a Catholic person, on Saturday you go to the church and you have confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. You tell the priest your sins. He gives you some activities, maybe the Hail Mary, Our Father. All right? So that at that moment, he has recognized Jesus' forgiveness for you. It's not in the activity that you're forgiven. Jesus is what forgives you. And then you had to stay as sin-free as you could between then and communion the next day. Because the idea was you wanted to come to the Lord's table with a clean heart and clean hands. Martin Luther said whenever he got to the communion table and was breaking the bread for communion, the Holy Spirit would always remind him of one more unconfessed sin. So rather than having, say, 24 hours, God gave the Jewish people 10 days. 10 days to get your spiritual affairs in order. Now, on the Day of Atonement, on the 16th of September for us this year, it was very interesting. Now, you might recall back in Genesis that when God uh, propelled Adam and Eve out of the garden, he dressed them in animal skins. And scholars believe that that was the first sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, because you can't kill an animal without shedding blood. 
and that in the Jewish theology and in our theology, the forgiveness of sins requires a covering. Now, I wear my collar on communion Sundays, but when you were a priest in the temple of God, you got brand new white linen robe underneath. You also got brand new linen underwear, but I'm not showing you my underwear today. You got the ephod, you got the hat, and you had people that made sure on your way into the temple that you didn't get dust or dirt on any of this so that you were as clean as the driven snow to go lead the people in worship. On the Day of Atonement, the priest cleaned himself and he wore only the undergarment, none under, under, not his underwear, the white garment underneath, to show his humility. And the first thing he did was sacrifice a bull for the sanctification of all the priests that were going to participate. Then he took coals from the altar. I don't know if you remember this from your Bible study, but the altar was really like a nine-foot square barbecue because after they sacrificed the animal, they would burn the fat and they would burn the, uh, the internal organs and they would burn some of the meat. So imagine that the temple of God sounded like the world's biggest barbecue or smelled like the world's biggest barbecue. So he'd take coals and the blood and he would go into the Holy of Holies. And he would put the coals down and he would sprinkle the blood in sacrifice covering the sins of the priests. He would go back out to where the people were, the congregation of Israel, and they had two goats. And he would cast lots to pick one of the goats. And the goat that he picked, again, was sacrificed on the altar and that blood was taken into the Holy Holies and put on the coals with the blood for the priests. And that was a sacrifice for the sins of the entire nation. We don't talk this about this a whole lot, but God has, and I don't mean levels as in severity, but levels of sin. A nation can sin. A family can sin. A church can sin. And individuals can sin. The Day of Atonement was for all of the above. Your personal sin, your group sin, and your nation's sin. Then the priest would come out and he would put his hands on the goat and ceremonially put ceremonial With great ceremony, he would put the sins of the people on the goat. And they actually had a person with this job. Now, when Vicky and I are watching a movie, because I have to have my AGMA, that's the American Guild of Musical Artists resume, fairly updated, and it'll say I did Rigoletto, or I did this, or I did that. Well, they'll have some crazy job, like maybe they're the rabbit hopping across the back of a commercial, and they go, how in the world do you put that on your resume? I was the hopping rabbit, right? Well, this guy on his resume puts keeper of the goat. And after the priest had put the sins of the people on the goat, this man's one and only job was to take the goat out into the wilderness and let it go so that the sins of the people were expelled from the kingdom of Israel. 
We still use the word for that goat. Anybody? That's your scapegoat. Now, I want you to hear that God is focusing our attention for a 10-day period of self-evaluation, of repentance and confession, and then sacrifice. Now, the good news is, <laughs> funny story, a friend of mine was having VBS. True story. And they had a petting zoo at the VBS, goats and sheep and animals. The mayor of the town drove by his church and saw sheep and goats in a pen outside, and she thought, oh my goodness, they're doing animal sacrifice. And she called animal control to come out and make sure that the animals were safe. And he had to tell the animal control, no, we're just having a petting zoo. We are not sacrificing the animals. Why not? Because, I want you to hear this, we are covered by one sacrifice. Remember when John saw Jesus coming to the Jordan River? In Latin he said, Agnus Dei Pecolis Pecata Mundi. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice for us. Now, why do we need a perfect sacrifice? We covered this the last couple of weeks. Romans 3.23 says, The wages of sin, I'm sorry, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody in America, everybody in the world, everybody in ancient Israel was a sinner in need of a sacrifice. And in Romans 6.23 it says, The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life. What is, what is or who is the gift of God? Jesus, the person that John referred to as the Lamb of God. Now, Israel had to get together once a year to have their sins forgiven ceremonially. Sure, now I can say it, ceremonially, right? We don't have to wait a year. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wish it didn't say cleanse. I wish it said cover. That whole idea of Jesus' blood covering our sin. Or better yet, I want you to hear this because we spit out John three sixteen, but I want to change the thought for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then I want a parenthesis that says, as your perfect sacrifice. Think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice. So that if we believe on him, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. So there are, are several things I want you to take home from this, and I'll go through them quickly. The first thing is this. We, as individuals, we as a church, we as a nation, we as a world, need to stop and have a Sabbath. Our news cycle is 24 hours. You can watch TV for 24 hours. I didn't say it was good TV, right? You can shop at Walmart for 24 hours. You can get coffee at Wawa for 24 hours. There is no place designed for us to stop. 
The first thing that we need to hear from this is that we need to stop and have a true Sabbath. The second thing is this. We need to reflect. We need to reflect on our unconfessed sin. We need to stand at the new year with our our face looking back to evaluate and where we're going. We as Americans talk about making New Year's resolutions. We need to make New Year's resolutions based on our New Year's confessions. What did I not do well last year that I want to do better this year with the grace of God? The third thing we need to do is pray for restoration. Restoration between us and God and us and the people that we have transgressed. Remember when Jesus said, if you're going to the altar and you remember a slight you have against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and reconcile with your brother. Here's the hard one. I actually put this in my notes in a big box. Number four is we need to forgive. We prayed it this morning. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If we want forgiveness from God, the Bible makes it very clear, we need to be forgiving people. Number five on this list is super easy. Look ahead. God has wonderful things for us in the future. But sometimes we're so busy plodding through the everyday of life, we miss the blessings of God. I got to get up on Tuesday and go to school. You got to get up and go to work. And after a while, we feel like the little hamster on the wheel, don't we? Running and running and running and running and running. And God says, I have more than that for you. We need to look ahead. We talked about this last week in the four spiritual laws. God has a wonderful plan for your life. But if you don't ever read the instructions or talk to the man who has your life planned, you'll never find it. Number six is rejoice. Rejoice in what God has done. Rejoice in what God is doing. And rejoice in what God is going to do. If I didn't have my mask on, I would blow the trumpet one more time. And I would shout, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Happy New Year. For those of you that are listening online, I will not be online for the next three weeks. I'm having a prophylactic surgery, nothing to worry about. But look for my next sermon on the first Sunday of October.